This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast on this Wednesday morning, December the 7th, Pearl Harbor Day, 2022. Uh, It's a very mild morning this morning. It's uh, in the 50s when I woke up this morning. It's a little cloudy out, but uh, hey, we'll take it. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. Thanks for joining us this morning. If you haven't subscribed yet to our podcast, go ahead and put your email address in there. We'll shoot you out a a notice when a new episode comes out. All right, these are your top five headlines for this Wednesday. Let's start off with headline number five. Professor disparages white people in interview. We got to take these mothers out. From Twitchy, we've seen a lot of professors over the years saying some horrifically and monumentally stupid stuff about almost every topic, but this from Reuters Professor Crunk about white people being the villain, whiteness having an end date, and her quite profoundly claiming we've got to take these mothers out takes the racist cake. Can you imagine if a white professor said this about any race? Christopher Rufo, Rutgers professor, says that white people are committed to being villains and falsely claims that Africans arrived in North America before white Europeans. Whiteness is going to have an end date, she warns. We got to take these mothers out. John Hawkins, can you imagine being a white kid stuck being taught by a professor who advocates murdering you because of the color of your skin? All right, let's listen to uh, Professor Crunk in her own words. I think that white people are committed to being villains in the aggregate, right? The real sort of issue here, and I, you know, I've heard people sort of say it, is one, I think that white people viscerally fear. It's not that white people don't know, right, what they have done. They know. They fear that there is no other way to be human but the way in which they are human, which is to, so, you know, like you talk to white people and whenever you, you really want to have a reckoning about it, they say stuff like, you know, It's just human nature. If y'all had all of this power, you would have done the same thing, right? And it's like, no, that's what white humans did. White human beings thought there's a world here and we own it. Prior to them, black and brown people have been sailing across oceans, interacting with each other for centuries without total subjugation, domination, and colonialism. We have seen uh, what a a show this iteration of treatment of of other human beings means and that my hope is that we would do it differently you know in the moments when we have some power we will not do it perfectly but i do think that all of us can sort of agree that a politics that says like there are superior and inferior human beings just isn't the way to go and that's the thing that white people don't trust us to do because they are so corrupt you know, their thinking is so morally and spiritually bankrupt about power 
that they can't let, you know, they fear viscerally, existentially letting go of power because they cannot imagine that there's another way to be. It is either that you dominate or you are dominated. And isn't it sad that that, that is spiritually who they are and that they can't imagine a sort of more expansive notion of the world. The thing I wanna say to you is we gotta take these motherfuckers out. But I know, but like, we can't say that, right? We can't say, like, I don't believe in a project of violence. I truly don't. Cause I think in the end that our souls suffer from that. And I do think that some of this is a spiritual condition. So here is where I land most days about white people. Um, and I actually have been helped in this by thinking about indigenous people, right? See, part of the challenge of, around whiteness is that it totally skews our view of everything, right? I gave this like TED talk about this some years back. And one of the reasons I was trying to think about it is like the, the world didn't start when white people arrived in America and tried to tell all the rest of us how things were going to go. There were people out here making worlds, Africans and indigenous people, being brilliant and, you know, libraries and inventions and, you know, vibrant notions of humanity and cross-cultural exchange long before white people showed up being raggedy and violent and terrible and trying to take everything from everybody. And that's really important because if we believe that history starts for us when white people drag us to these shores, then we can never get outside of the notion that this is going to be our existential struggle. All things that begin end. White folks are not infinite and eternal, right? They ain't gonna go on for infinity and infinity. And that's super important to remember that white colonialism and imperialism has a beginning. And in my way of thinking about the world, that means it has an end. And so part of what we are trying to do is to imagine what, it, what are the steps that we must take to get to the other side of this very inconvenient, you know, epochal interruption of like black and indigenous world making. I mean, does that give people comfort on the day to day when you like just having to deal with white folks and the tra you know, the travesties that they create and the sense that they want to destroy the planet? Nah, there is a world beyond even our sojourn on the earth. And so whiteness is going to have an end date because it, it is not, despite what white people think of themselves, they do not defy the laws of eternity, right? Their projects are not so sophisticated that the natural laws of physics change for them. And when we sort of humble them in the, in humble our own understandings of whiteness, it seems like the biggest giant that we face. But in the end, right, it is what I like to say is, you know, black folks were out here for centuries and centuries and millennia doing all kinds of wonderful things and probably some fucked up things too. But whiteness is largely an, you know, an inconvenient interruption. And so we then get to ask ourselves, so why am I here in this moment of it? Like, damn, you know, why did I show up in this particular iteration? And it's like, well, I think we showed up in this iteration precisely so that we could um, help to figure out an end and a way to the other side of this, you know, uh, gargantuan historical tragedy that is is white supremacy. Okay, so uh, that's a little bit of pulling the curtain, the veil back to give you a little insight into what critical race theory is and what Marxist ideology looks like. The terms colonialism, white supremacy, this is uh, directly out of socialistic Marxism, 
neo-Marxism, critical race theory. This is what's being taught on the campuses. This has been going on for years. This is why we're in the state that we're in right now with the wokeness that we see The comes out of this same thought process, the same ideology, socialism, communism. So it's important to understand where the roots are, and we can see this, this professor is... Uh, not a very smart person. She's not very intelligent. She speaks very ignorantly. She's more consumed with race in her own mind, which just continues the perpetuation of racism because it's, you know, it's a very broad stroke. She, she paints all white people as being this, this way they think. It's as if, you know, it's a, like a projection on her thought system. And she's the one that's really in need of, of change because her viewpoint will never bring a resolution. It'll only create more division and more separation. And unfortunately, this is being taught in our higher education classes, and this is having a direct effect on how our young people think, and it perpetuates it. And the longer this continues like that, we will slide further and further down into more of this negative thinking, this divisive thinking, and the future of the country is uh, doesn't look very bright. So let us uh, understand, learn, and let us do our best to overcome this very difficult ideology and speak out against it. Don't be passive. Realize where it comes from, and let's have uh, a good counterproposal to that, which is love, humanity, See everyone from God's point of view. Realize that we're all God's children. We're not divided up into different racial components. We all have the same red blood. We all come from the same Heavenly Father. All right, headline number four. Heritage Action addresses amnesty plan. Katie Pavlich. Heritage Action is sounding the alarm over reported bipartisan amnesty plan circulating on Capitol Hill and warning the scheme will make the current border crisis even worse. With the lame duck session already underway, the time for proposals to be completed and negotiated is limited. The news of amnesty as the border crisis rages is not sitting well. Town Hall, Stephen Miller. This is open borders propaganda, not journalism. A mass amnesty in the middle of history's worst border crisis along with a blank check or continued endemic voluntary catch and release, will result in many millions more illegally across our border, which, of course, is the point. Okay, so again, open border policies, democratic policies, Biden administration, Joe Biden made the comment yesterday, I see no reason it's not important for me to take a trip down to the southern border. Well, if you've seen any of the documentaries that have been produced recently showing you what's exactly happening down on the border, you'd be completely up in arms. You would be appalled. The trafficking of small children being raped by the cartels, being put in debt servitude by the cartels. Once they come over, they have to pay off their cartel mafia for the rest of their lives, for bringing them into the U.S. 
It's a complete and total failure by the American system of politics, especially by this current administration, and they just want to make they just want to pour gasoline on it with this this policy. So I hope that we don't really have enough power now to stop it. We have do have the Congress. I hope the Congress can do something about it, but the Senate now has after today's election uh, election results that uh, Warnock did win. And the Senate does have the majority now. So uh, wanted to bring this to you. It's an important topic. And let's hope that uh, we can figure out a uh, bipartisan, clear immigration policy to solve this horrendous problem. All right, headline number three. Teacher declines to teach proper grammar because it perpetuates white supremacy. From the Washington Examiner, a teacher in California who identifies as cringy is going viral after claiming she does not teach grammar usage and writing skills in an attempt to defeat white supremacy. Marta Schaefer teaches English at Oroville High School and uses linguistics to fight white supremacy in my classes and be inclusive of all kinds of ways we use the language, she said. The expectation that students should use syntax and proper grammar is based in a deep-rooted white supremacy culture, she argues. From the post-millennial, California English teacher says proper grammar is white supremacist and refuses to teach it. All right, well, here's another story, just another example. This is, you know, down in the uh, elementary school, they're teaching critical race theory. They're teaching this divisive ideology of uh, white supremacy and... and uh, we're seeing it in the use of language, which is just uh, so absurd. It's just ridiculous that these people are so caught in this uh, ideology. But, you know, it's you can see where it stemmed from. They probably picked it up while they were in the higher education. If they went to college, they learned all these things. They're being uh, indoctrinated at the highest levels of the institutions. The far left, the liberals, the socialists, the communists, the Bernie, Bernie Sanders types, all of these people have been have bought into the lie of socialism and communism. But you only have to go back and look at history and look at what totalitarian dictatorships look like. A hundred million people lost their lives, were murdered in the name of socialism and communism. Yet that's not being taught in the colleges and universities. And it's, uh, it's a problem. We need a counter-proposal to it. We need a solution to these absurdities because... The track that this is going is not going to be a good outcome for the future. All right, headline number two. Senator Rafael Warnock defeats Herschel Walker in the Georgia Senate race. Fox News, Democratic Senator Rafael Warnock will defeat Republican challenger Herschel Walker in Georgia's high-stakes Senate runoff election, the Associated Press projects. While the Senate majority has already been decided, Warnock's victory in the last ballot box showdown of the 2022 midterm elections gives the Democrats a 51-49 margin in the chamber and a bit of breathing room in their razor-thin control of the Senate. All right, so that uh, pretty much concludes then this midterms election. Those are the final results. So now we're, we have what we have. It's, uh, it'll try to be contested, but I think it, it's going to be a tough one to, to overcome. It is very, very close. I mean, it's by just a couple thousand votes, I think, was the, the difference, or a few thousand at most. And uh, we'll just have to deal with it. 
I think the American people will see after the, another two years of how much uh, uh, the Biden administration has done as far as inflation goes, and we'll see how things uh, end up at the end of his term in 2024, and hopefully we'll be a little bit wiser that we've learned from some of our mistakes, some of the ballot harvesting that's going on, and, and just electing candidates that maybe are not electable. They're maybe too extreme on some ends, and we just need to win seats, but we can't maintain the status quo as well. Lots of things need to be addressed. So it is what it is. We move on. We fight another day. All right, headline number one. Republicans infighting needs to end in order for them to lead. Hugh Hewitt, November's elections revealed that we remain a 50-50 country. There's a lesson here. America's self-sorting into blue and red enclaves is far from complete. Citizens fleeing tax burdens known exactly where to move. In the main, red states such as Florida, Ohio, and Iowa got redder. The GOP's march to the House majority over the past two election cycles should buttress not just House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's claim on the Speaker's gavel, but also GOP Chair Rona McDaniel's bid for another term. McDaniel has built out enduring infrastructure in nearly every state, begun the expanded outreach to underrepresented minorities by establishing GOP community centers among ethnic enclaves and has upped small-dollar donations. She appears poised to return unless Donald Trump tries to change the rules governing the primaries. Infighting will waste time and momentum. Get on with the job. Okay, well, there's, uh, you know, there's a couple of views on this. I mean, we are in a battle for the heart and soul of our nation and the political elites, the uniparty. We have some very serious problems that need to be addressed. There is a far-right extreme side of our political system and a very far-left representation. The middle is not necessarily always the best place to, to reside because we're in situations that need to have some serious problems fixed. So what do we do? Well, we need to find a way in which we can fix the problems, but at the same time be able to manage the government. So as we come into this new year, there needs to be some things that need to take place in the Congress. There need to be some committee hearings. They need to sort out a few of the issues, the, the compromising of the Biden family in China. That has to be addressed. It needs to be looked into. We've got to make sure that Biden isn't being blackmailed by the Chinese government because of their business ties, and some other issues on election integrity and things that are important, taxes, energy independence, the border, obviously. So here we are. This is 2022. We're just about ready to come to a close, and we can see our political landscape. So let us all pray that America can maintain itself and not divide more aggressively. Let's hope that we can find unity and find solutions that resolve everyone's concerns and to really make America the great nation it was once founded and still is. 
All right. Thanks very much for joining us on the Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. Have a great rest of your day today. We'll see you all tomorrow. God bless you. See you then. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it.